Middle East on the brink, North Korea on the brink, Iran increasing its aggression, elections in Taiwan. Look, there's a lot of global instability as we ourselves plunge into primary season. How have you sheltered your savings and investments from potential major setbacks to the economy? You think it can happen here? It can happen here, but it's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. And Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. As opposed to many other investments, gold Gold thrives in times of uncertainty. It is an important part of diversifying your savings. Now listen, here's how Birch Gold can help make it a part of yours. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. And it doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket. You want to learn more? Just text SAVAGE to 989-898 for a free info kit. S-A-V-A-G-E, text it to 989-898 and you get a free info kit. It costs you nothing. Just text SAVAGE to 989 with an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to arm yourself with the knowledge of diversification through precious metals. Protect yourself. Text SAVAGE to 989-898 and claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Do it now. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Thank you very much. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. All right, welcome to The Savage Nation. I'm in a happy mood because uh, we're near Thanksgiving. I have ordered my frozen pangolin, which is defrosting as we talk. They're on sale now in uh, the Safeway supermarket chain, I understand, because China had to get rid of a few million of them. And I don't want to see any turkeys this year, so I'm waiting for my frozen pangolin. The reason I'm playing Eddie Fisher in the 1950s Dungaree Doll is because it dawned on me this morning that um, the 1950s were the greatest decade in American history. In fact, the former British Prime Minister Winston Churchill at 45 said, America at this time, meaning the 50s, stands at the summit of the world. During the 1950s, great decade, I was a kid. I didn't really know who ran for the presidency. I knew there was a great guy named Dwight D. Eisenhower in the White House, former war hero. He directed the Allied landings, Supreme Allied commander that defeated Superman. The world was safe. It was a great place. It was a wonderful America. And I really didn't know much about politics. I was only a kid. All I knew was that whoever won was virtually a patriotic American. There was no chance that a slimy left-wing anti-American vermin could wind up in the White House surrounded by enemies of the people. It was impossible. They would have been thrown in jail during that period. It's not the same today, is it? So the 50s were a great decade, marked by the post-World War II boom. It was a great place to be. We were the world's strongest military power. Our economy was booming. The prosperity of beating Hitler and beating Tojo, this prosperity was seen everywhere in America. Suburban houses going up out into the, uh, the potato fields, the wheat fields. New cars were being built. And they were available to more people than ever before. Great era. 
great era. But under the surface, there were the communists. They had invaded our government. They invaded our military. They invaded our government. They invaded our um, universities, the film industry. Everyone knew that. People in the government knew that. But the average person wasn't aware of it until McCarthy came along and tried to point it out. And the Democrats of the time made him into a bad man. He wasn't a bad man. He was a, he was a great historic figure. Senator McCarthy was a great man. And the, the, the lousy Democrats are so good at twisting the minds of Americans that even in the great 50s, they took this war hero, Senator McCarthy, who rightly pointed out the dangers of communists who had infiltrated our, our entire body politic, and they tried to mock him by calling him Tail Gunner Joe, like that was a, a deficit. He had one of the most dangerous positions in World War II, that of a tail gunner and a bomber. I think they were B-24s. Think of it. You're flying around in a bomber on a bombing mission, and you've got enemy fighters coming at your bomber, and you're in a plexiglass bubble underneath the plane in a machine gun, uh, with a machine gun, trying to shoot down the enemy fighters. And the vermin on the left called him Tail Gunner Joe as though that made him a bad person, his heroism. Sound familiar to you? The big lie, how they twist everything? But let me get back to the 50s themselves. Uh, children. After World War II ended, many Americans were very, very eager to have children. They were confident that the future would be great. We'd have nothing but peace and prosperity. And they were right. Between 1945 and 1960, the gross national product more than doubled, growing from $200 billion to more than $500 billion, which kicked off the golden age of American capitalism. Now, much of this increase in GNP, whether you know it or not, came from government spending the construction of interstate highways and schools. That's where all your highways came from. The distribution of veterans benefits and the increase, the great increase in military spending on airplanes, ships, newfangled things like computers. They all contributed to the 1950s great economic growth. Now, rates of unemployment, inflation, very low. Wages were very high. Middle-class people had more money to spend than ever. And there was such a variety of newly available consumer goods that people had more and more things to buy. Baby boom, suburban boom went hand in hand. Soon as World War II ended, there were developers across America, such as William Levitt, who created Levittowns in New York, Pennsylvania, New Jersey. And they became the most famous symbols of suburban life in the 1950s began to buy land on the outskirts of cities and use mass production techniques to build inexpensive, modest tract houses. The GI Bill subsidized low-cost mortgages for soldiers who were coming back, which meant that it was often cheaper to buy one of these suburban houses than it was to rent an apartment in the city. My own father got his first little mortgage on a house that cost, I don't know what it cost, $20,000. I don't remember. I have no idea. I don't recollect. But it was a GI Bill. And these little houses were perfect for young families. They had so-called living rooms and so forth and open floor plans, backyards. We didn't have that in Queens. But then suburban developments grew up that did have all those things. Of course, there were things under the surface that weren't quite as perfect. The women didn't like being trapped into that life of the perfect housewife. And many Americans felt confined by the 1950s. But we'll get to that later. By and large, it was a great era. 
Then the 50s came crashing down. In the 50s, we had stability, contentment, and consensus in America. In the 60s, it was splintered forever by Allen Ginsberg, William Kunstler, Bella Abzug, and Timothy Leary, who destroyed the American, our American society with feminism, the promotion of LSD, the liar William Kunstler used the law to pervert the law, and Allen Ginsberg pretended to be a Jewish prophet when he was the opposite. And so society started to fall apart in the 1960s, and we have never recovered. And of course, during the 50s, there was also the Cold War. It was a defining element of the 50s, tension between the United States and Soviet Union. Many of us grew up, I don't know if you know this, but in the 1950s, we didn't suffer from it. None of us are traumatized. We had duck and cover lessons, emergency lessons in our classrooms. Elementary school. Bell would go off, teacher would yell, duck and cover, duck and cover. And we little children would run into the closets or get under our desks. To us, it was a game. Could you imagine doing that today with the snowflakes? They'd break down in tears. They would cry, suck their thumb. The parents would sue the school, punch out the teacher for hurting their little child, for creating a trauma in their little darling. We thought it was fun. We went in the closets together. We all had a lot of fun, the boys and girls doing stuff that boys, boys and girls will do in the dark. It was like Halloween to us. Oh, we ducked under the desk, big deal. Oh, we didn't die from the germs under the desk either. But that's what was going on, the, the Cold War. Not too far from my house, near my bicycle path, there were Nike missile bases. That's right. You could bicycle past an active missile base. You could see missiles behind some kind of fencing. They were aimed to the sky. We all knew what they were. They were to shoot down enemy bombers. We didn't die from it. We weren't frightened from it. We just figured that's part of life. There's always enemies. Life is like that. There's always enemies. Always enemies. But we knew we could defeat anyone. We had just defeated Superman. Our fathers and grandfathers had just come back from mopping the floor with Hitler's golden youth. Japan was smoldering in ruins after trying to turn this nation into a cinder box. They became the cinder box. Then there was the, the pop culture of the 1950s. Television just appeared, really. Television became something that the average person could afford. By 1954, 4.4 million U.S. families had one in their home. There were family-friendly shows. Can you believe it? Not produced by vermin like Katzenberg, Katzenberg, Matzenberg, and Ratzenberg. You had I Love Lucy, The Honeymooners, The Twilight Zone, and Leave it to Beaver. There was nothing filthy, dirty. There was no suggestive material. A woman didn't have to exhibit her disgusting creature-like horrors in order to get attention like that filth, the Kardashians, and all of the millions of vermin who follow her. In movie theaters, we had heroes like John Wayne, James Stewart, Charlton Heston, Marlon Brando, Grace Kelly, Jerry Lewis, Dean Martin, Elizabeth Taylor, Marilyn Monroe. We all loved them. We all loved them. Our baseball players, like Mickey Mantle, he didn't feel he needed to have drugs up his nostrils or a tattoo on his behind to get our attention. He didn't have to beat anyone up after the ball game to get our attention. He didn't have to appear showing his abs after the ball game to get our attention. All he had to do was play ball and play it well. And we, the kids, loved them. We loved our heroes. We had playing cards with them on it, not the degenerates of today. And then the music of the 1950s. What a great time. Names like Elvis Presley, Sam Cooke, Chuck Berry, Fats Domino, Buddy Holly, rock and roll. New sounds swept the nation. 
It helped inspire rockabilly music from people like Johnny Cash, Jerry Lee Lewis. Then came the platters, the drifters. Music was everywhere and it was beautiful. The lyrics were clean. They encouraged the boy to fall in love with a girl, to get married and have children. Not like the filthy vermin of today. 1959, American musicians Buddy Holly, Richie Valens, and J.P. Richardson died in a plane crash over Clear Lake, Iowa, and that became known as the day the music died. The day the music died. And what happened after that were the 1960s. Splintered forever, as I said to you, by three or four people. Timothy Leary, who pushed LSD onto unsuspecting youth. Bella Obzug, a low-life butcher's type, a butcher's daughter. A hater of men, a hater of America, a hater of, hater of Christianity, pushed her brand of radical feminism and destroyed an entire generation of women. We have never recovered from her. William Kunstler, who took the law and twisted the law to destroy America. And then Allen Ginsberg again, poet who pretended to be a prophet. He was not a prophet. He was the devil himself. And that, my friends, is why the music of the 50s is so comforting to me. Michael Savage, stability, contentment and consensus. And now we come to today, the year 2020. The year 2020, when we stand on the cusp of an administration that is already bringing back and out of the woodwork the very same bull weevils that undermined and destroyed this nation at every turn going back until the 1950s. It's as though it's an intergenerational hatred for everything American, which is what Biden and his team is digging up from the crypt of anti-Americanism. Savage. 2020 has brought unforeseen upheaval to our society. Many people realize that the police and cops may not always be there, and the ability to defend yourself and your family has never been more important and critical, and that you need to be prepared to defend yourself and your family. And that is why I was so fired up to have the Personal Defense Network start sponsoring my podcast. Guys, if you're not familiar with the Personal Defense Network, PDN has the world's largest collection of high-quality educational self-defense material on the Internet, and it's not even close. From firearms to self-defense to home defense training, Personal Defense Network will come to your rescue quite literally. PDN is an educational community built by patriots just like you that provides vital, easy-to-understand real-world tips, techniques, and tactics. The PDN team has the world's best instructors, and they've been delivering life-saving information to people like you for over 15 years. Learn how to keep yourself and your loved ones safe. I've done the homework for you. Just text code SAVAGE to 474747, and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. Their premium membership will be just $3 for the first full year. That's right. Just $3 for membership that is normally $69. You will get access to hundreds of videos and classes. Once you become a member, I strongly recommend starting with their classes like What's Better for Home Defense and the Circle Drill. These classes make you feel like you're there with the trainer. Again, just text code SAVAGE to 474747 and the discount will be automatically applied to checkout. Personal Defense Network is super cutting edge. This isn't some tired old training video. They have spent many months developing content specifically for these trying times. And they don't just tell you what to do. They explain the whys and hows to help you develop your skills on your own. 
All of PDN's contributors are active educators. They know what they're talking about. They teach life-saving skills to military personnel, law enforcement, and people just like you all around the world. Listen, guys, we know evil exists in our world. And you may be that last line of defense when that evil comes calling. It's never too soon to be prepared. So text code SAVAGE to 474747. And the discount will automatically apply at checkout. Because you're a listener of mine, their premium membership will be only $3 for the first full year. Again, it normally sells for $69. PDN tells me this is one of their best deals ever, so text code SAVAGE to 474747. That's SAVAGE to 474747. And the discount will automatically apply at checkout. Text code SAVAGE to 474747. Comparing the 1950s to the 2020s is quite an experience for many of you. And it was a great monologue, I have to admit. I did not intend to do that today. I was going to do these stories. Are you getting together with your family this Thanksgiving despite your government edicts? Are you still going to get together or you're afraid of getting together over a frozen pangolin? How has affirmative action affected you? Because it's interesting to me that liberal California, large Hispanic population, had a ballot initiative that just got knocked out, and it was uh, demanding that affirmative action be used, meaning race, gender, sex, whatever, in hiring. And the Californians overwhelmingly rejected the affirmative action ballot initiative. That's even a state like ours. In fact, every time... Every time affirmative action has come up for an actual vote, it's lost every time in whatever state it's come up with. Again and again since the 1990s, voters have banned affirmative action. It's happened in Arizona, California, Michigan, Nebraska, Oklahoma, and Washington. And yet Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are going to use affirmative action, as they say, in virtually all of their decision making right from the get-go. Most Americans oppose it. Hispanics oppose it, African-Americans oppose it because it makes those who succeed on their brains and abilities look like they got it through a government push. It's a disaster, something the Soviets prided themselves on, affirmative action. And yet this lousy, stinking left-wing administration does not care what the people think. I love how he's pushing unity. He's pushing unity, sure. That's right, he's pushing unity while pushing a thing like affirmative action. How has affirmative action affected you, I was going to ask you. Also, uh, another one, uh, which is dog walkers turn out to be at a higher risk to catch COVID-19. That's an interesting story because in February I told you to take your shoes off at the door, not because I'm a genius, because it's common sense. I mean, the Japanese have been removing their shoes at the door since the time immemorial. What do they know that we don't know? But now people who walk dogs in a new study in Spain have a higher rate of COVID. The dog's stepping in it. And then walking home with it on the paw, uh, licking you. Who lets a dog lick them in the face but a moron? Even if you're stupid, would you let a dog lick you? Have you seen some of these dumb girls? I don't understand this. A baby carriage for a dog. You compare it to the 50s, women were having babies. It was a woman. She wanted a, a baby or three or more. Now they want a dog in a carriage. A dog. You know, there's an old saying, the country's gone to the dogs. Well, you don't have to look any further than San Francisco. 
So they, they, they kiss the dog in the face. You hear this? And I wonder why they get sick. But aside from that, the dog steps in, 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 in Drek, walks in the street. What do you think it's going to bring home? You should take your own shoes off at the door in this age of COVID. I told you that in February. Remember common sense tips from Uncle Savage? Take your shoes off at the door. Take your shoes off at the door. Wash your hands. Common sense. You don't hear that from Dr. Frankenstein Fauci, do you? Instead, he peddles the mask and the vaccine. So we can talk about these topics, but there's something else that I really wanted to talk about as usual. Not about a parallel universe. No, that's not what I wanted to talk about. I wanted to tell you that we've just gotten our report for the year on my podcast. And to date, it's over 25 million downloads. Say, wow, are you kidding? No, it's data. Thus far to date, Michael Savage's podcast has taken over 25 million downloads. That's really high. Really high. And I'm going to talk about that for a minute because I then went dug into it and found out where it's listened to in the world. You're not going to believe it. Savage. It wasn't heaven, but it was pretty nice. On, on a national level, you knew that patriots were in positions of power, by and large. And it wasn't like a fear of the Biden types bringing in anti-Americans at every turn to undermine you, to put in skewed hiring policies. So if you're a white male, you need not apply. You know what I'm saying. It was, uh, if you could do the job, you got the job. If you were the best fighter, you won the fight. If you're the smartest guy, you became the engineer, not some person with lesser qualifications who fit a certain type, you know what I'm saying? So the 50s were stability, contentment, and consensus, splintered forever by the left-wing vermin in the 60s. And um, I don't even want to talk about it anymore. The monologue was pretty good. It's on my, uh, on my uh, <clears throat> what do you call it, the podcast at the end of the show, we put it up. And I was going to tell you about that for a minute, because, you know, come January, you're going to not hear the show on a radio station. You'll hear it on a podcast. Even if you're streaming it, forget about it. It's just the way it is. It's be like you have to go to a movie, but there's no pay. It's free. So I'm looking up the podcast for the year to date. We have over 24 million downloads. That's enormous. They're a larger podcast, but that's pretty damn good. It's really one of the top in the whole, maybe the whole world. But I looked at the countries. They have an amazing map. And... Um, you see, wow, you got all these people in Canada, Australia, the UK, Germany, UK, uh, again, the UK, twice, uh, Israel, Japan, Netherlands, Mexico, listening. But then you scan the map with a cursor. Turkmenistan, I have 22 people who listen. Uh, Saudi Arabia, 6,377 people who listen. You say, well, who are they? Are they military? Now, put the thing over Greenland, five downloads in Greenland. All right. They don't like me that much. But you go to Iceland, it's 1,450 downloads last year in Iceland. I don't know who's listening to me in Iceland. Is there anyone listening to me in Iceland who wants to call the show right now? Because if you're listening on the podcast, it's a, it's a high likelihood you're streaming the show as well. And I'm curious. I mean, you'd expect most of them to be in the U.S. Brazil, 11,000. Argentina, South Africa is this, that. And your little countries, Niger. Libyan, Arab, Jamarina, Mali, Saudi Arabia. I'm having fun. Russia. How many Russians? Russian Federation. Very low. 5,000. But uh, Sweden, not bad. 10,000. Norway. No, I'm interested in Norway right now. You know, I've always wanted to go to Norway. I've always wanted to go to like Norway. I wanted to go to F Finland. So it's such a northern. 
I, you know that I was a child who I was fascinated with? The, um, the Laplanders. I've always been interested in cultures that could survive in extremes, which is what drove me to go to the uh, South Pacific Islands. When you consider, you say, well, what's so extreme about living on an island with Fiji water? Well, they didn't have Fiji water for 20,000 years. They lived off the land. And if you think living in the tropics is easy, you don't know anything about the tropics. So all the islanders survived millennia without any advanced uh, techniques other than their primitive material culture, as it's called. And look what they developed. Not only, the, see, here's the thing that, that's beautiful about so-called primitive cultures. Although they were living off the land for 20,000 or more years with no advanced technology, other than the technologies that they themselves had developed. Most of these cultures also developed concurrent with their survival techniques, a music, an art, a poetry, um, a, a tradition of storytelling. Every culture, every society has a culture attached to it. Every society. So what is our culture today? Who is telling our cultural story? Well, again, do I have to tell you who dominates the culture in America today? Where's Elvis Presley? Where's Buddy Holly? They're gone. Now it's someone rubbing their crotch with a nose ring, with a diamond coming out of their earlobe, making some exhibit of some grotesque pornographic image with their bodies. Why? Affirmative action again. That's what the people want, and that's what the music uh, industry executives determine that you should want and should buy and the rest did not apply so if you look at the world and you say what is this culture going to be if you let the the lowest lives become the culture for the entire culture where is Wagner where is Beethoven where are they there must be some people at that level in this world well, if they tried out for the San Francisco Symphony, they wouldn't stand a chance. No, they would be too good. They wouldn't be hired at all. Did you know that here in San Francisco, this was 15 years ago, they used to have tryouts for the symphony behind uh, a screen so that let's say the judges were listening to a violinist. They didn't know who the violinist was, meaning who they looked like. They didn't know if it was a woman, a man. They didn't know their race, their height, nothing. All they did was listen to the sweet sounds of the violin. Based upon their ears, they determined who should be the lead violinist and the second and the third. And then they were finding out an unfortunate thing for San Francisco. Too many white males were the best violinists. So naturally, the vermin in San Francisco fixed that. They took away the screen so that no longer did the violinist who was the best get the job in the San Francisco Symphony. Instead, they started selecting based upon other characteristics, characteristics other than being the best violinist. And of course, that's where we have degenerated as a city. And that's what's going on in the entire Western world, whether it's in Sweden or the United States. Again, the lowest common denominator now has to win every prize. That's the way it is. How does a culture or a society survive this? The answer is it doesn't. It cannot survive this. It's impossible. Because without quality, there can be no equality. It's one of my most important statements ever. Without quality, there could be no equality. Who do you want to fly your planes? A person who is the best, who passed all of the exams with flying colors, or somebody who was selected based on qualifications or such other than being the best pilot in the business? 
Well, my friends, this is what happens when you start stacking the deck against a certain, let us say, orientation and a certain race and a certain uh, 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 sex orientation is what you have in a, in a nation. So we go from stability, contentment, and consensus to today. Instability, no contentment, no consensus. That's where we are today. It's going to get so worse, so much worse that even the, quote, progressives who were so hateful of Donald Trump, who were so anxious to have the hologram in the basement win, they're not going to know what hit them in two to three years. They're going to look back and say, my God, Trump really wasn't so bad after all. And, uh, you know, I, I, I treated that earlier because I brought it up once before on the show because I try to make things as um, logically simple as I can having been trained in, uh, you know, I don't know how to put it, Aristotelian logic. Am I, uh, do you even know what that is anymore? Aristotelian logic, most of you still do. And uh, you think, you think things through. You ask yourself, how can a society survive? Well, I don't know how it can. I don't know how it's going to. So I, I've asked the simple question. I've reduced things to simple terms, not, sim not simple and stupid, but the simplest terms. And so I ask you, as I asked on Twitter today, ask a psycho lib who hates Trump, quote, how have you actually suffered under Trump? They don't have an answer. They don't have an answer for you. They don't. F All they know is they hate him. They put up hey, hateful signs. They riot. They throw bricks. They throw water. They burn things. They loot. All in the name of hating Trump. How have they actually suffered? They made everyone else suffer. We're the ones who are suffering, not them. Ask a psycho liberates Trump. How have you actually suffered under Trump? Now, the knee-jerk reaction will be, well, 200,000 have died from COVID. And my answer is quite straightforward to that, and it's logical, and it's correct, which is in February, President Trump stopped all travelers coming into America from China. And what did Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi and the others do? They said he's a racist. How dare you block travelers from China? And what did Governor Meatball in New York do? Governor Meatball, a dumb, I never saw anything like that guy. What a dummy, my God. Dummy, Governor Meatball comes out. Did you hear what Governor Meatball said? The latest thing from Governor Meatball? Governor Meatball not too long ago said that COVID did not come from China, it came from Europe. Could you believe this? How does Governor Meatball get away with this? I don't understand it. So that's the, the knee-jerk reaction from a non-thinking liberal is that he caused the deaths from COVID. No, it was Trump who stopped travelers from China. While your queen, Nancy Pelosi, went to Chinatown in San Francisco, marched around with one of the leaders of Chinatown who was desperate to get business back there and said, it's safe to eat dim sum, come to Chinatown. And of course, she was never blamed for spreading COVID because she shouldn't be blamed for it. But you shouldn't blame Trump for it either. So how have you actually suffered under Trump? The answer is they haven't. That's all. Now, you're probably expecting me to talk about the vaccine today or the electoral votes or the uh, legal fights that are going on. I'm not going to do it. It's not because they're not important, but truthfully, I'm not that interested in any of this at this time. A, I have no power over it. What power do we have as people? We had our power. See, we live in a dictatorship that is punctuated by the occasional appearance of a democracy. Let me repeat that in case you missed it. We live in a dictatorship 
that is punctuated by the occasional appearance of a democracy, which is when we vote. And then, because they didn't like the outcome of the vote, even in advance, they got the trick machines, the trick programs, they got the gangsters involved, uh, because they did what they've always done, the left. They've always stolen elections. You think this is something new? They stole Ohio for Kennedy. It's well known in, in historical fact. They stole it. They've done it before. And you say, well, it can't be done. It's not being done. It's made up by the right wing. It can't be done. Everyone was watching. That's nonsense. They stole the election from Trump. You say, well, wait a minute. Hold on now. Because I've had this argument presented. You say, wait a minute. They tricked the machines out with the programs and stole only the national election. But how come so many Republicans won in the House? Doesn't make sense, Savage. Well, on the face of it, it doesn't make sense. But if you dig a little deeper or a little more deeply, it makes good sense. Because the Republicans conspired with the Democrats, that's called a deep state, to get rid of Trump. Because the Republicans are no different than the Democrats at any level. They just put on a little window dressing difference. The, uh, they're almost identical. It's all the same. It's, pr- it's primarily one party, a one-party system, with an R or a D next to it, with a different suit and a different tie and a different skirt and a different hairdresser. And fundamentally, they wanted Trump out because he was standing in the way of their, of their uh, gravy train in their mind. So they conspired, in my opinion, to get rid of Trump. The Republicans did with the Democrats. They said, well, wait, that would explain why they won in the House where the vote was, was you know, allowed to stand. Yeah, that's right. That means Republicans still have their power. In the House of Representatives, they're going to hold on to it in the Senate, probably. But they want the Trump out of the, the lead position, out of the White House. They really don't care who's in there. They don't care if it's Uncle Joe or Uncle Sam. I'll be right back. Savage. All right, my friends. You had the hour. You had the hour of the Savage Fix. It's like an espresso specifically made for you. In hour two, I have a special treat for you coming up. I know many of you don't have that much time left for a radio, but I would suggest you hang in there or catch it on the podcast later. What happened was yesterday I was off. I had some uh, personal business to take care of, and uh, the, the news was really good for me. I've been waiting a long year for certain results, and I don't want to go into it and dwell on it, but the news turned out to be real good. So I came home. I wanted to go to a restaurant and have a bottle of red wine, half a bottle of red wine, and a, and a warm meal, but everything's closed. Everything's locked down. Unless you're the governor, you can't eat in a restaurant. See, if you're a governor, you can eat in a restaurant without a mask on and then laugh at the morons who are trying to stuff food in their mouth with a mask on. But that, that's the beauty of being a powerful Democrat. You know, it's do as I say, not as I do. So there was nowhere to go. So I went home and I opened the most expensive bottle of red wine I found in my closet. My wine cellar is a closet, a rack of about 24 bottles. That's my expensive, my extensive wine cellar. So I got out a, a bottle of wine. I just wanted to celebrate by myself. And I had some gnocchi made in Italy. And I made the gnocchi and the wine. And then I went on Twitter on a thing called Periscope. And I started to unload on the world and how I felt. You know, it's like a live broadcast on, on, on Periscope. You got to hand it to that guy with the nose ring and the, the people who created it. I don't know. They're pretty smart guys. What a thing that is, that, that Periscope. You bypass all the corporate Johnnies, all the suits, all the skirts. There's no advertisers to worry about. God bless them all. And I just talked while drinking wine and eating my gnocchi. And then about an hour later, it was taken down. Uh, but we captured it before it was removed by whoever. 
and we're going to play it in a slightly edited version for you at the bottom half of the next hour, and you'll actually hear Savage Unleashed. Unleashed. Don't worry, there are no curse words to be heard. That's the Savage Nation for now. See you in a few minutes right on the other side of the break. The Westwood One Podcast Network. Fans of the spoken word, welcome. This is a podcast. Greetings, pod recipients. You are entering the Savage Nation. Read the book. See the movie. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. I strongly urge that if, in fact, uh, we're going to have Thanksgiving with anyone, that we limit it to a maximum, maximum, they, they suggest five people, maximum 10 people socially distanced wearing masks and people who have quarantined so jill and i spent this morning like many of you trying to figure out what are we going to do for thanksgiving well how are we going to do it and we've narrowed down which family members and that they were tested recently tested in 24 hours and so i would strongly urge for the sake, go. not just your sake, for the sake of your children, your mother, yeah, your father, yeah, yeah. Big brother is your sisters, you. your brothers, whoever you get yeah, together yeah, on Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Think yeah, about yeah. this. There should be no, no group more than 10 people in one well, room. Uh, uh, you know, one, I mean, in, looking in, out for in, you. Inside no the Thanksgiving. And Dr. Frankenstein doesn't want Christmas. No Christmas, no Thanksgiving. That's the new America under the, the new Soviet administration. Come on, a man. Drab, come on, man. I know a drab America. A nice gray drab America. No Thanksgiving, uh, no Christmas. I think we could still celebrate Martin Luther King Jr.'s holiday, though. I think gatherings will be permitted then. We haven't. Well, maybe the, it'll be over by then. You never know. It might be over the minute he's inaugurated. It may be no. You never know, right? You just never know. It could be over the minute he's inaugurated. It could just disappear. So he says he's only going to have five people at his Thanksgiving dinner. Oh, sure. Right. I'd like to put a hidden camera inside that, that dining room. The Joe Biden dining room is only five people. Oh, boy. Then you see Diane Feinstein at the private jet port, no mask. There are no masks for them. Whitmer, no mask. Only masks for the, for the proles out there. And here we are, all the uh, bizarre right-wing conspiracies involving Soros I wanted to talk about, because Soros hired some company to do a, a uh, you know, Soros is the devil of the right wing. So he figured I got all the money in the world, I'll do a documentary showing that I'm really a nice guy. And so he puts out a, uh, a video, I, I couldn't believe how, it's actually interesting. Here is 17 seconds of the boogeyman of the right, George Soros, listen to this. The fact that I have become involved in so many different issues and have taken controversial positions has now is now actually working against me very clever 
yeah, really, you've taken controversial positions, that's for sure. But, you know, I wanted to ask you something about Soros. He's claiming he's just a poor survivor of the Holocaust that came here and made a fortune, and it's anti-Semitism. Now, I don't believe it for a minute because I've studied the man for a long period of time. I think he's as evil as some people say. That's my own judgment of the man. I know it's embarrassing to have to say it because right away I'll be thrown into the category of being a bad person. But do you actually think that George Soros is as evil as people say or is it anti-Semitism? What has he actually done that's so bad? I mean, they say he funded Black Lives Matter. So what's wrong with breaking windows and stealing televisions and brassieres? That's a form of, uh, of uh, I don't know, reappropriation of goods. It's uh, just dispersing goods, breaking windows and stealing what you want. It's reapportionment. It's just like redistricting. They take the TVs from one district and bring them to another. It's perfectly fine. I mean, nothing wrong with that. They say he did this. They say he did that. I don't know. I really don't know. So now I just got an invitation in the mail from the White House, the White House Hanukkah reception. I guess, I'm not joking. It's a very big honor. I had a fight to get in a couple of years ago. Then they invited me last year, and I got sick and couldn't go. I wound up in the hospital instead. Dear Mr. Savage, please see your invitation for White House Hanukkah reception. Invitation you I'm, How can I go during... How are they going to have a Hanukkah reception with COVID? You have like a Hanukkah COVID celebration? How could you even eat shrimp with a mask on? I don't understand. First of all, they had a buffet, and it was a really great buffet in the White House. Top food. Beautiful flowers, beautiful decor. Great music when I went there two years ago. How are you going to go to a reception in the White House now with a mask on? I don't know. I'd love to go because it's going to be the last... uh, the last, uh, uh, you know, could be the last Trump Hanukkah party. The Jews don't even know how good they had it under Trump. Donald Trump is the greatest friend the Jews have ever and will ever have in the White House. But the liberal Jews are so demented politically that they stand in the way of their own survival. They thought he was Hitler, Nazi, Mussolini, all combined in one. To them, there was a concentration camp underneath the White House. No, the man was the greatest friend of the Jews in history. They'll never be like this again. I knew that when I was there two years ago, but I don't think I can go. How am I going to go to this? Now, look, we're getting calls. I'm going to make this a little personal now from radio station executives around the country who are terrified that I'm not going to be on the radio come January. And they're saying, Michael, is there any way we can carry whatever show you want to do? So I, I just want to put this out there because I've come to a new decision on this. I am doing the podcast, God willing probably be three a week come January 1, and I intend to do one on January 1. I'm not going to do the January 5th thing, you know, oh, watching ball games. there's no audience. I want to be on the podcast January 1st, 2nd, 3rd, but I, I also want to do a one-hour show on Sunday night, and the reasons are, are many that I want to do a one-hour radio show, and now I'm told that no one wants a one-hour show on Sunday night. Look, I have a large audience. I'm a brand name. I have a 26-year career. People are going to listen to me no matter when I go on the radio. Why do you want to do a one-hour show? There's no money in it. I don't know whether there's money in it or no money. It doesn't really matter to me. I feel if I had a call-in show on Sunday nights that the Americans who have come to want to listen to me will want to listen to me. So if you are a station manager or a group manager who wants to carry that show, We're going to put up a little box on the top of my website, michaelsavage.com, where you can contact us. We'll try to put it together. It's that simple. And here's the beauty. Let's say you're a local radio station. Right now, my streaming show is one of the biggest in the whole world. 
and the number one streaming station is KSFO here in San Francisco. People from around the world listen to this radio show, as you're probably listening uh, to the show right now, on the KSFO.com stream. Well, that will come to an end because I'm not going to be on KSFO uh, as of right now, nor any other radio station. I don't want to throw away the streaming show. And Sunday night's a dead night anyway. There's nothing on, there's nothing on TV. You got an ambulance chaser on on Fox. Are you going to watch that? What do you want to watch an ambulance chaser for? So uh, there's not, not much out there to do. You know, it's bad television. It's usually gloomy. It's horrible. I always hated Sunday nights. It was always reminding me of the next day was school. So to keep myself pumped up, I'd like to do a show for an hour on Sunday night. Then I'll make dinner after. That's what I'm thinking. I'll do it like to do the show, get the adrenaline up, and then, and then either do takeout or make dinner. That's all. I went to a restaurant last night. I got rotten chicken. I don't believe it. You know, the food quality is going down. I forget the price of it. I shouldn't have eaten it. But it's the only white tablecloth restaurant left in Marin County that's still open under Governor Newsom. Only he can go to the restaurants with his friends uh, and then say, I'm sorry, I own it. All right, good for him. He can own it. But I try to go. So I get a chicken. I mean, I know when I buy a chicken, I know what the chicken was. I come from people who knew chicken. Remember, I was a little boy that I'd go to a live chicken market and you see the poor things running around and the old women, like my grandmother, God rest her soul, she said, I want that one. It was so cruel. Imagine being four years old in shorts and you had chickens screaming and yelling and blood flying everywhere and the stink and the yell and the, the chicken manure and the blood. She'd pick a chicken and then the butcher would chase the chicken around that barn and grab it and cut its head off. Then the chicken would run around with blood spurting out of its neck. Now, picture you're three or four years old, and it's like, what the hell is, what is this? What brutality? A chicken running around with blood shooting out of its neck. I, I didn't, I, as a child, I mean, I think I'm traumatized to this day. I mean, I still eat chicken, yes. And I do engage in intraspecies cannibalism by feeding uh, killed chicken to my, to my dogs. You know, I mean, look, what can I do about it? They like chicken. They don't know any better. They don't have any moral guilt about eating a chicken or a turkey. What do they know? If I gave them pangolin, they would eat it if it was cooked properly. But uh, yeah, so I go back. I know my chickens. I went in a restaurant last night. I shouldn't have eaten it. Do you ever know that the food isn't exactly right and you eat it anyway? Because there were two loud women near me. I, they wouldn't shut their mouths. They were from Brazil, I heard afterwards. I thought there were hookers who just came off a tour bus. I never heard anything like it. An empty restaurant and two loud mouths. My God. And the waiters were hovering around them like, why are you paying so much attention to this? I didn't know what, every minute another waiter would go over there like a fly to honey. I, I couldn't believe it. But they think they get lucky with the hookers from Brazil? It was like a mother and daughter team. They were coming through town. I don't know where they were from, but they wouldn't shut up. And the perfume came wafting over from the table. And everything they said, the waiters were laughing. I, I lost my appetite. And I didn't pay enough attention to the chicken that I was eating. And I paid for it this morning, to be honest with you. And this is the Savage Nation. I'll be right back. Savage. I mean, it, it's, it's, uh, I, I just ask a rhetorical question. Do you guys understand this? Does anybody see. understand why a governor would turn this into a political statement? It's about patriotism. Here. It's about being patriotic. Wearing it's about a mask saving now is patriotic for real. For Uncle Joe. Not, this is not hyperbole. No. It's no. about being patriotic. Yeah, no, I'm unless serious. Unless you wear a mask, you'll be arrested for being a, a, a spy. No, no, that's, that's Uncle Joe now. 
This is the moron who, who they want to usher into the White House. It's patriotic to wear a mask. So in other words, if I don't wear a mask, what, I'm going to be like a communist in the 1950s? The police are going to round me up? There's a man walking on the bicycle trail over there without a mask. All right, call out the helicopters. That's, that's the Joe Biden America that you leftists want to live in. All you wild and free, crazy leftists. It's patriotic to wear a mask now. You have to wipe you behind while wearing a mask now? Sleep with a mask on? Have sex with a mask on? Kill chickens with a mask on? What, what's wrong with you people? Forget about it. It's a country I don't even understand. Wait till you see what happens in a year, a year from now. You look back and say, how did this even happen to us? You see the goons he's bringing out from the woodwork? I, don't, I could talk about chickens instead of this for about five minutes. So going back to the chicken yard when I was a little boy, the trauma of seeing a chicken having its head cut off and then running around, it ran away from the grandmother. It didn't want to get killed. Naturally, she picked the healthiest chicken to kill. She didn't want a weak ch- Would she pick a little gray chicken laying around that didn't move, give me the sickest one and kill it? No. The healthiest chicken she wanted the one that looked most alive, she'd get that one. So they'd run after it, the butcher, dirty, an apron full of blood, cut the thing's head off, and the blood spurted. And uh, they remind me today of the liberals today. It's like a chicken without, a, without heads. They're like chickens with their heads cut off running around. COVID, 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 Trump caused, caused COVID. Trump evil, orange man caused COVID. Oh, Russian collusion, COVID. Russia, Russia, COVID, Russia, COVID. Chickens without heads. It is the savage nation. So we're not going to talk about chickens. If you missed my monologue, which was very serious, it was the whole gestalt of the show. It was about the 1950s compared to the 2020s, how we went from stability, contentment, and consensus, splintered forever in the 60s by uh, Timothy Leary, Bella Obzig, William Kunstler, and Allen Ginsberg, and where we are today. And you don't want to miss it, honestly. It could be a great, great podcast, one of my best. Uh, some of them are topping 200,000 downloads. That's going to be one of the biggies. I know that. I can just sense it. And here we are now getting ready. We're building up for the t- turning of the uh, tide here on the Savage Nation, which is at the bottom of the hour. We're going to play that little piece I did on uh, Twitter last night. Actually, it was during lunch because I couldn't find the restaurant that was open in California. And uh, I drank and talked. Maybe I talked a little too much. Maybe that's why they took it down. I don't know. They got, I know they bounced it in the middle of it. Then they let it back up. Then it disappeared altogether. But I was not wearing a mask while talking because I was alone in my house. And then we have uh, Fauci doesn't want us to get together for Thanksgiving. The Grinch who stole Christmas is now Anthony Fauci. He needs you to stay home now. He's not even going to see his own children. He doesn't want to touch probably because his own children don't want to see him. He's not going to see them. He's doing them a favor. Would you want to go to Thanksgiving dinner with Anthony Fauci? Could you imagine anything more depressing in your life? I don't know. I can't imagine anything worse than a, eating a, a, froze, a defrosted pangolin with Anthony Fauci. Now, he's pushing now for a smooth transition. Don't you love it? All of these uh, Brutuses now want a smooth transition to Uncle Joe. You hear? Oh, listen to this soundbite. Here's uh, CNN's Christiana Amapur, the Matahari of our time, who was slammed to the mat on this show and others for comparing Trump to the Nazi Kristallnacht. Listen to this piece of garbage in clip 21. Listen. And finally tonight, a comment on my program at Hold the on. end of last Shut week. Shut up, wait, stop. Anyone I who speaks... With, stop, stop. Anyone who speaks with that fake uh, British accent, in her final, you know, that breezy uh, Oxford line, in her final comment... 
You know they're dirty as can be, filthy, the lowest of types. The higher the fake British accent, the lower the type. That's all I can tell you. So here she is with the high born, the fake accent here in, here in 21. Listen. And finally tonight, yeah. a comment on my program at the end of last week. Your I observed the 82nd ah. anniversary of Kristallnacht, as I often do. It is You're the right. event that began the horrors of the Holocaust. Right, I also right, noted right. President Trump's attacks on history, facts, right. knowledge, so she's doubling and down. I shouldn't have juxtaposed the two thoughts. No. Hitler and his evil stand alone, of course, in history. Right. I regret any pain my statement may have caused. My point was to say how democracy can potentially slip away and how we must always zealously guard our democratic values the best way to guard our democratic values is to take the man who runs cnn and put him into a prison that'd be the best way to guard our our, our democratic value if he lets a witch like this a lying witch like this to get away with what she just said she just doubled down she attacked trump again and then again she didn't even apologize for for comparing the trump administration to the nazi crystal knock she didn't do it she doubled down you hear that's CNN for you, Jeff Zucker. Jeff Zucker is a guy who looks like, the, who's the guy in prison who uh, was put away for the crime, the sex crimes, allegedly? Uh, Harvey Weinstein. You know, I, Jeff Zucker has a weird look. Jeff Zucker looks like Harvey Weinstein, like a close, let's say a cousin. They came from the same area of Ukraine, let's say several generations back. They like ate too many pickles or too much sodium the grandparents and they wound up like a distorted look i don't know how could they, how do they get these positions a uh, weinstein and a zucker how do they get so powerful can anyone explain it to me is it something in the gefilte fish is it in the chicken feed i don't know what it is how do they get where they are can anyone explain it to me savage hey welcome savage audience I know many of you who have been with me for so many years are going to be surprised that I am going live right now in the middle of the day on the day off. Well, I'm here to celebrate something, and I want to celebrate with all of you. I never drink during the day in my 70-some-odd years on Earth, maybe once or twice when I was a youngster. But this afternoon... I opened up the most expensive bottle of wine I found in my teeny little closet. It was a gift from years ago. It was a bottle of um, Opus One 2012. I just wanted red wine. Do you know why? Because I wanted red wine. Now, you can't go to restaurants right now because the fascists have closed down the restaurants. They can go to restaurants on the weekend and have 20 people there and say, oops, I'm sorry, but we the schmucks, we the sheeple, no, we can't go to restaurants. So I came home, I made some pre-made gnocchi. I didn't make it. It's from Italy. Oh, it's good stuff. Look at this. All potato, a little marinara sauce, fresh parsley. I'm going to have some lunch with you right now and talk about a few things. Maybe I will avoid politics because politics sucks. This is a Napa Valley Opus 1 2012. It's a Bordeaux-style wine. Normally, I love red wine in the winter. I will not drink it in the summer. I get a headache. It's strange on my body. I'm a natural guy, okay? It's a funny thing about wine with me. In warm weather, I can only drink white. When the It's raining like crazy out here in the Bay Area. So 
I need red wine. So I watch, I try to call a restaurant and we're not open. We don't this. We don't have seats. Governor Schmendrick closed us down. Mm. I needed a glass of wine. So I said, why am I going to open like a $40 bottle when I have this stuff? So I opened this, heated up the Noki red sauce. And I wanted to share something with you. We all have a shelf life. Nobody thinks they're going to get old. Nobody thinks they're going to get sick. When you're young, you're not supposed to think about these things. It's a natural course of events. Everyone's immortal when they're young. And all your life, you run from mortality. That's what we do. That's the way it's set up. We're not supposed to think about mortality. If you're a religious person, they think about mortality every second. That's a terrible way to live, by the way. Horrible. Nightmarish. So as most of you know who have listened to me for many years, I come from a terrible, terrible inheritance with genetics. Wonderful brains. Unfortunately, dad died at 57 of a heart attack. Grandfather died at 47, never met him from the old country. And as a result of that, I drove myself crazy all my life. I searched the world for the answers. And so I earned two master's degrees in real sciences. One of the first master's degree, the thesis was published in its entirety by a, a, a division of Harvard University. A real honor, those of you who know academia, master's degrees are usually not really worth very much. I intended to make mine as worth as worthy of, of the word master's degree as I could. Then I got another master's, then I got a PhD at UC Berkeley. That was many years ago, 78. Well, here we are all these years later, radio, all these other careers. And last year, coming up on the anniversary, December 5th, I suffered a heart attack. Now you say it's no big deal. Well, it is a big deal to those who get them. So, after the emergency room where I prayed to God on the way into the emergency room in the, in the gurney, you know, like in the movies, you see the lights. So the doctor was a young, great guy, Harvard cum laude. He said to my wife, he said, you know, Mr. Savage was doing something odd. He was mumbling at himself all the way into the emergency room. Yeah, I was mumbling to God. I wasn't mumbling. I was praying in English and in Hebrew. Anyway, survived that, came out. So it's been a year now coming this December, and I never took medication at all my whole life. I had to be on these blood thinners all year, which just sucks my energy dry, kills me. And uh, I'll go off them in December and go back on to the nutrients that I know thin blood. I will tell you right now, I mean, there's so many things that will thin blood. I know it so well. I'm on a blood thinner, right? If I drink pineapple juice, I get bruising all on my body because pineapple juice has been a substance in it that thins the blood to begin with naturally. Maybe I didn't drink enough pineapple juice. It was a terrible year for me, the year I had the heart attack, which what was done to me in this industry, God hasn't yet spoken to them. He will. They will suffer tenfold what they did to me. Nobody would put up with or survive what I did and still be on the radio, but I stayed on the radio because I love my audience. And come January, I leave the medium that I gave so much to, that gave us so much, and I go to uh, podcasting only. I know many of you don't want to follow me 
Right now, we have hundreds of thousands of people downloading the podcasts. And so we're hoping that you will follow me over to the podcasts. And if you do, I will stay on it as long as God gives me the breath and the brain to do it. If we don't get enough of an audience, I have to make a decision internally by my birthday, which is March 31st, whether I stay or go. Because I don't really need to do this, truthfully. But I love talking to you. I love the, 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 the world that I see. I love the world that I see and that I can express to you. I thought God put me here for that. Apparently, those in the radio business don't know the difference between a genius and an ambulance chaser who made believe he was a conservative. Then another one came along, another ambulance chaser. Became a, hugely rich, the ambulance chasers in radio right now. They're all super patriots. The ambulance chasers were as patriotic as my dog's crap before they found out there's a buck in it. But I wrote the books. Do I have bitterness? No, I have anger and rage. That's different than bitterness. I'm not bitter. I'm angry and enraged. But I will tell you this. I'm going to stay with it as long as I want to stay with it, as long as you stay with me. So I need you to know that you got to switch to the podcast almost immediately, right? People saying, well, your son could buy a We could not only buy the radio station, we could buy the radio business. I don't want to buy a radio station. I don't want to buy a network. We could buy the network, okay? I don't need it. I don't want to be involved. Let the ambulance chasers make their money right now. Make believe they're big conservatives. You know, the, the, the other one. You ever hear about the other one? Mickey Mouse and Laughing Gas? Another one. That's the middle of the day here. It's one thirty. I never drink during the day, and I shouldn't even be talking. And I think my show is running right now with a fill-in. Great guy. But I want to say this to you. Excuse me. Noki's getting cold. I love potato. I love the idiots who don't eat bread. From the beginning of civilization, bread was a staple of civilization. <laughs> in Assyria, in Egypt. And the morons discovered in San Francisco that gluten will kill you. So they, no bread. No bread. When the Soviets were starving to death because the Germans invaded a city, what would they have given for a piece of bread to survive, you morons, you? I mean, those of you, uh, no gluten, no bread. Bread's the enemy now. It sustained civilization for thousands of years. It became the enemy of guys with a nose ring on Twitter. That putts. Where'd this guy come from? The guy creates a website that becomes more powerful than a president? You hear, see him before Congress today with, with the nose ring? And the crazy eyes and the crazy hair. Wow. It just shows you, man. I'll tell you right now. Well, you know what I'm going to say. What's the point of saying it? Bread is the staff of life. It's in the Bible. Don't ask, don't ask the idiots who write the books in San Francisco about it. My God. Bread became the enemy. Every civilization, a tortilla, a pancake, uh, you, you name it. Pita bread. It's all wheat, morons. But okay, to them, uh, bread is the enemy. They're the same ones who think the flag is the enemy. God is the enemy. Man is the enemy. Donald Trump is the enemy. Idiots. From the wine came the grape, from the grape came the wine. If I didn't think that my insights were worth your listenership, I would disappear. I would do a Johnny Carson. You'd never hear from me again. And so... It's my way of saying, I hope that you will understand as we enter the holiday season, although monsters like Fauci, oh my God, how do you people fall for this guy? 
I was on to him during the AIDS epidemic in the 80s. The guy looks to me like a front for big pharma, nothing more, nothing less. During the AIDS epidemic, all he did was push AZT, never said close the bathhouses, never said alter your behavior, just said take AZT. I knew what he was. Gay people knew what he was. They, named, they called me every name under the sun. Remember, I'm the only person to have been banned in Britain for saying what, what's, what's true. I'm the only one with the brains to say what needed to be said in San Francisco in the early 80s when Dianne Feinstein was destroying the city. And I'm still here. I'm not here to sell a book, but I will tell you this. And I want you to look back. I don't know many of you bought it. Our Fight for America. Look at the chapter entitled The Virus Profiteers. If you can find a better description of these low-life bastards who are capitalizing on this disease than you do in this book, I'll send you money back. I'll have one of the ambulance chases get in touch with you. I'll have Mickey Mouse on laughing gas. So now they're saying ban Thanksgiving, ban Christmas. If the communist Chinese had invaded America and put a communist Chinese soldier on every street corner, and said, you can't have Christmas, you can't have Thanksgiving, they'd be shot dead in the street from the, what, 70 million people are armed to the teeth? And well, we're not going to do things like that. No, because we don't do that. We're not violent people. I am absolutely a man of peace, and you know that. There's going to come a time, though, that civil disobedience will be necessary in this nation to stop the Fauci's, to stop these maniacs like Whitmere, and to stop them before they steal our life from us. But I don't want to get emotionally strained. I don't want anything more than peace and quiet. Bill Gates, the vaccinator. So why do I stay on the radio? People say to me, why don't you move to Florida? Why don't you get a big boat? Why? Tell me something. Is that, is that what you live for? To live like a dirt, dirt bag like Kardashian? The waste of human DNA. You want to be that that Kardashian, that degenerate, and that degenerate husband of us with the feet up on the desk? Why Trump ever had those in the White House? I'll never. Well, I know why. I know how that happened. Well, I don't know. We got a war on our hands. They can steal an election. Oh, sorry. Oh, look at the real results of the election on Twitter. They can tell you to take a a, a vaccine that hasn't been tested properly. No one knows the side effects, long term effects autoimmune effects. No, no one knows any of that. But take the vaccine. Line up because Dr. Fauci wants you to take it. You know, I posted something today on my website, michaelsavage.com. Yes, I will tell you to go to it. And it's an important story. I found it in the Jerusalem Post this morning. Why it's not in the top, I'll never understand. It's, it says less than half of Israelis would agree to be vaccinated against COVID-19. That's not what I put on Twitter. It's less than 22% will take the first phase of the COVID vaccine. Now, why are the Israelis important? Because the Jews are the canary in the coal mine. They know what government oppression can lead to. 22%, only 22% will take the vaccine in Israel. Maybe the numbers are lower here, I doubt it. I think the sheeple here are higher. They'll do whatever the government tells them to do. You see them running with the masks on? Do they go to the bathroom with the mask on? They make they still have sex with their wife and with the mask on. What's with these people? They need the government to tell them when to put the mask on, mask off, mask on, mask off. Take the vaccine. Then they'll send the fascists in with guns now to make you take a vaccine. 
Okay, let's hope that never happens. So here we are, my friends, from my heart to your heart, from my glass to your glass. Who wrote this? Whoever answers this question wins a prize. It won't be anyone on the left. They don't know anything about history. You ready for it? Love comes in at the eyes. Wine comes in at the lips. That is all we shall ever know until the day we die. Written by a great white male. Whoever gets the right answer gets the right answer. God bless you. May God save America from these vermin on the left who have seen nothing yet of what's coming if they keep this up. And I hope to see you in January on my podcast, the Michael Savage Podcast. Savage. Well, we have only two minutes left to this exceptionally interesting, fabulous, great, otherwise wonderful radio show called The Savage Nation. So let's go to line five in the waning uh, seconds of the program. George, thanks for calling from Detroit. What's on your mind, sir? Uh, Dr. Savage, uh, it, it felt that uh, I was sitting with Yates at a table having some wine as you finished off that uh, Periscope. Oh, you win the prize, a literate man, and you're in the radio business. How is that possible? Well, you know, you got to stay educated to uh, stay one step ahead of the competition. But I did want to say personally, on behalf of myself and uh, the few listeners that you do have, and I don't want to sound like a Trump rally, but we love you. We sincerely love you. We've prayed for you. We've thought about you. We were always concerned as you had your little, um, let's just say, uh, health scare. And I have a great question for you. You had told at one time on the story how you met in post-op a nurse. I believe she was from... Oh, the African-American from Africa. Yeah. and, and if Yes, and she said, you're not finished. Your time is not finished. God has more things for you to do. And I knew she was a deep, a deep healer. I saw that in her eyes. I don't know how we got to know each other, you know. Well, it's a year, and uh, come January, it'll be a podcast. Which station do you manage, George? Well, I would prefer not to get into those details. Okay, fine. Uh, well, look, I put up a box on my email on michaelsavage.com where you can send me your contact. And would you be interested in a Sunday evening show? Because that's what I'm going to be doing, a one-hour show on Sunday night. Hey, we've got the platform if you still have the drive. Oh, I have more than the drive. I have the hard drive. <laughs> Well, you know, this, this is... I have the hard drive. Talking. Listen, if God wanted me to stop, he would have stopped me, but he doesn't want me to stop. He wants me to go. So I'm going to go, go, go. And George, please email me, and I'll be sure to get back to you. I don't think you're going to be the only station carrying that show. I do know that the hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people who download the podcast are going to find it wherever podcasts are listened to. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, you name it. This is the Savage Nation. What fun I've had. Thanks for listening back on Friday. Be here or be nowhere. The Westwood One Podcast Network.